Welcome to the NTEB Prophecy News Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Jeffrey Greider. Rightly divided, dispensationally correct, and standing on the authority of the King James Holy Bible. This program is brought to you by NowTheEndBegins.com. And good afternoon, everybody. Happy Friday, and welcome to this edition of the Prophecy News Podcast today. What Satanism actually looks like and really involves might just shock you to your core. True Satanism is rarely what it looks like when Hollywood puts it on the big screen. Real Satanic activity takes place a lot on the small screens of our lives. Now, if you and I stood on the house roof and I told you to jump, you might object to taking the 10-foot leap, and rightly so. But if on the roof I gave you a ladder and said, just go down one step at a time, well, that would be accomplished quite easily, just one little step at a time. That's exactly how Satanism has crept up upon us, one step at a time. It's here, it's everywhere you look, and today I want to tell you what you need to know about that. 2 Corinthians 11.14, Paul says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. We live in strange times. We live in a weird time. We live in the period of time that the Bible calls the beginning of sorrows. The world we know is changing. It is transforming itself in accordance with Scripture. And this is not a change for the better. The world and all the unsaved people in it, which is to say the vast majority are preparing themselves to receive the literal, actual, physical, and visible Antichrist. And to illustrate this point, I want to draw your attention to some things that have taken place recently. I want to just lay out the facts and let you be the judge. But as for me and my house, we are convinced, quite convinced actually, of what we are seeing. Today, we give you a comprehensive look at the world you are actually living in. (laughs) Not the world that you wish it was, not the world that you want it to be, but we're going to show you the world that we are actually living in, and it's not good. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time and for this place and for these people that you've gathered, Lord. We pray for everybody who's going to be listening live right now. We got a late start today. Uh, and we pray, Lord, for all the people that will be listening in the archives that something will be said and done today that would lead a lost soul to you, that would get a saved soul on fire for you to get something done in these last days. And, uh, Father God, uh, the world has become a frightening, dark, scary place. And everywhere that we look, things are breaking apart and they are crumbling and, and they are collapsing. And they have to, because your word has already said that these things will be the things that will take place in the last days, in the end times. Even as far back as Genesis chapter 49 as Jacob lay dying on his bed. Your word says, and Jacob called on to his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And Lord, we have arrived and we are in the beginning of sorrows. Um, I believe that with all my heart. 
And uh, you let me see that four years ago. And I believe it even more strongly today. And uh, Father God, we just pray for people who need a healing today. People with real illnesses and sicknesses. And uh, we pray for Lori's mom, Joyce, my mother-in-law, diagnosed with breast cancer on chemotherapy. Uh, Please give her a healing, Lord. My friend Krista, um, big tumor in her chest. Three more tumors have been found. And uh, the doctors have told her there's nothing that they can do. And uh, Lord, give her a healing. Debbie Matthias's daughter-in-law, Abby, she's doing better after having a second stroke and she's healing from a kidney infection. Uh, Please be with Abby and Preston and uh, comfort them, God. Be with my brother Jimmy as he continues the process of of getting better. And uh, Lord, the doctor said that... that, um, Prepare for hospice. He is, he is, his body is shutting down. And yet, Lord, you put on our heart to go up there and lay hands on him and pray over him. And within 24 hours, the miraculous began to happen. And uh, Lord, we believe it. We believe it. Uh, Amanda Emaw, possible return of cancer. Uh, Thomas, experiencing profound discouragement. That's not a physical ailment, but it can lead to physical ailments. And, um, Please pray for Thomas, Annetta, uh, for a complete healing after having a stroke in 2022. David's mom, Laura, had a stroke. Sadie has heart-related issues. Marcia Swanson has myelagic encephalomyelitis. And um, uh, that is a neuroimmune disease. George H. has health issues. James Rivette, his mom, Sherry, wrote to us yesterday and said, uh, please pray that he can stay sober and off drugs long enough to pass a drug test. And um, uh, sometimes those little victories are really, really big victories. So please pray for James and for his mom and his whole family. Um, Nobody, nobody goes through addiction alone. If you have any family members, you, (laughs) you take them with you. And um, so it really, addiction really is a whole family situation. Robert Wiley battling ALS disease, Jill Puckett losing her vision, Paul Caulfield, type 1 sugar diabetes, uh, Brooke Kettlecamp with autism, Dan Kane, his wife Roxy has MS, please pray for son Jonathan, Rob's friend Mike has MS, Ida Karulik has cancer, Mark Seals has numerous health issues, Roz has asthma and scoliosis, Maddie Luck has Luli body dementia and daughter Michelle has neuropathy and fibromyalgia. Tracy has arthritis in her spine, fatty liver, diabetes type 2. Uh, Michelle Christian, bone cancer. Melissa B's husband, Brian, stage 3 kidney disease. Ricky Gouda, prayer for eyesight. Also, prayer for daughter Nortja. She's going to be having th- thyroid surgery on March 4th. Jane. Please pray for my parents and brother to get saved and my husband to be healed. Casey is a woman with lupus and uh, kidney issues. Brooke's sister, Ashley, has MS. Jackie H. needs God's favor regarding custody of her child. Vladimir's friend, Kotka, has ALS. Um, Stacy is going through a divorce and needs wisdom. Terry Horn has had several strokes and needs a walker. 
Casey, please keep my husband on the list. He is an unsaved and severe alcoholic. Matthew Morrow, a prayer for deliverance from alcoholism and strength for his parents, Dan and Peggy. Tom Rance, recovering from a stroke and a brain bleed. Julius, please continue to pray for my mom, Erlinda, and niece, Rochelle. Brooke's friend's child named Bertie uh, had a stroke and a seizure, and she has a lot of health issues. Please pray for Bertie. Uh, Jeanette's sister continues to recover from eye surgery. Uh, Also, please keep husband and Aunt Linda in prayer for macular degeneration. Uh, Wayne needs prayer for cancer. Ashley DeShields recovering from West Nile virus. Teresa G. Macular degeneration. Shira Shine needs family reconciliation. Linda Benjamin would like prayers for her overall health and memory problems. Berta Crab have health issues and need a healing. Derek O'Reilly, please put my mom on the list. She goes for blood results today. And um, please pray that everything is okay and she gets a good report from the doctor. Amen. Brooke, please add my dad to the list. He has had to have a blood transfusion. His iron is low and his hemoglobin, uh, hemoglobin is low. Ladies who are expecting, the list is getting ever smaller. Uh, Christy Ireland, Char's daughter Miranda, Sandra Carbonera's friend Jordan P., Stephanie Juliana, Sarah Ann Severson, (coughs) and Spray of Sunshine would like prayer for her son and his girlfriend who are pregnant and expecting twins. Let's go to the chat room today to see what prayers that we have. Bill, a prayer request for healing of flu or whatever it's called. Thank you. Um, Jeanette, uh, I have talked to two ladies. They are both true to their word and take the jobs offered. They are both very nice. Um, uh, I am taking that that her caregiver situation is being resolved. Amen. Also, my friend Michelle sent me this message. Um, Please pray for my friend Terry. She is presently fighting cancer and we are praying that this treatment she has has halted the growth. So Michelle would like prayer for um, her friend Terry who is battling cancer. Uh, We are doing a (coughs) shortened version of the list today. Um, (coughs) As it turns out, we do not have the flu. As it turns out, we have COVID. And uh, we have been sick here the entire week. We didn't do anything on Wednesday night. And I really felt that I was turning a corner yesterday But alas, it was not to be. And today, uh, both Lori and I um, really struggling today. But the program must go on. And I think that today's topic is so important that um, COVID or not, we're just going to do the program. And if you could bear with me on the coughing, uh, That would be great. And please keep Lori and I in your prayers. And please pray that uh, we don't spread this to anybody. It doesn't go anywhere else. Um, 
and um, we've been kind of sequestering, but not a hundred percent. So uh, just please pray that we get better soon. Uh, there's a lot of people though. Heath says, uh, "You are not alone. I have something too." Mike sixteen eleven. Hang in there, Greider family. Amen. Uh, we are we are doing our best, and um, well, somebody once said the war is real, and it is. The battle is hot, and it things are melting, and the time is short. Paul says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. To the fight, and today we shall go to the fight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God for this time, for this place, for these people, for these prayers. We ask you to work and move as only you can. And Father God, we commit all this to you. Everybody with cancer and strokes and heart attacks and brain bleeds and broken bones and broken hearts and uh, people who need reconciliation and restitution and and (coughs) just about everything that you could imagine, Lord. Uh, We just put it into your hands and ask you to work and move as only you can. And we commit this time to you, Father God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, Jan Lacker says, get sunlight for immediate vitamin D. We did that yesterday and we felt worse. (laughs) It had nothing to do with the sunlight. Um, J.C. Shane says, don't be fooled. COVID is the flu. Well, you can call it the flu. You can call it the measles. You can call it the chicken punks. You could call it a hangnail. But the way that we feel, doesn't matter what you call it, it feels bad. Uh, But very much appreciate all the prayers. And uh, we are going to get into today's subject today. We're going to make people mad. That's not our intention. It's never our intention we are not aggressive that way. We are not warlike that way. Um, we are soldiers, absolutely. Turn to Second Timothy chapter 2. And let's take a quick review. We're going to do a little bit of Bible study today, if that's okay with everybody. Second Timothy chapter 2, Paul says this, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This is the New Testament principle of Bible study. One person gets saved. They get discipled. They begin to learn how to rightly divide the word. Um, and then the obligation is to go out and teach that to somebody else. And that's what we do here. 2 Timothy 2, 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then Paul defines what that hardness is all about. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. One of the things that makes me mad, or maybe not mad, maybe just bothers me. One of the things that really bothers me is when you see somebody who was obviously a lost person and they go through a battle with something like, um, 
you know, uh, some sort of an illness, some sort of a disease, some sort of an addiction, and then they die. And invariably, somebody will say about that person, well, they fought the good fight. Well, if they weren't saved, they didn't fight the good fight. You know what the good fight is? And that's really part of what we're talking about today. The good fight is your battle against not cancer and and heart attacks and diseases and financial reversals and bankruptcy and all. That's not the good fight. The good fight is against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Some very wise man once said that the duty of every Christian is to determine the spirit of the age in which they live and then preach against that spirit. Wouldn't that be great if people did that in every dispensation? We used to have a lot of people who would stand up and they would say, um, this is the spirit of our age and this is what you have to do to stand against it. And people like um, D.L. Moody and uh, Charles Spurgeon and George Whitfield, they stood up. And they preached against the spirit of their age. A man by the name of Billy Sunday, he stood up and he preached against the spirit of his age. And he determined, right or wrong, Billy Sunday determined that the spirit of his age was alcohol. Take a listen. A preacher or a high school girl has the same effect as when it's sold to an automobile thief or a horse thief. Congress has passed a law putting $2 a tax on whiskey, and they expect to realize $300 million. That means that the American people have got to buy and drink 150 million gallons a year. They have put $5 a a barrel tax on beer. That means the people have got to buy and drink 32 million barrels of beer a year. It doesn't take a lawyer to figure out that if you do that, you take that much money out of the legitimate channels of trade. You spend that much less for food and clothes and boots and shoes and education and automobiles. Oh, America didn't need repeal. She needed repentance. She didn't need rum. She needed righteousness. We don't need jags. We need Jesus. We don't need more God. We need more of God. That was Billy Sunday. Um, that was recorded sometime in the early, uh, late 1920s. And uh, very reminiscent of his style of preaching. And what did Billy Sunday do? He stood up and he warned. Well, I wonder if Billy Sunday could look down from heaven or somehow come back and take a look at the world that we live in and um, was alcohol really as big of a deal as he made it out to be or was he just one of those holy rollers who blew everything out of proportion and was just trying to keep his thumb on people and tell people how to live? Well, I think if Billy Sunday could look down and see what was going on on earth today, he might be tempted to think, wow, I didn't preach hard enough. And he preached for like 30, 40 years. 
And I think he might be tempted to think, you know what? I was too soft on those people. I really should have done more. And I can't imagine any more that he might have done. I mean, his preaching helped to bring about uh, the, uh, the era of prohibition. And that was, now look, you can't, you can't legally mandate moral behavior. There is no law that a human being can pass that is going to make other people live right. And uh, you just can't legislate morality. It doesn't work. But what does work is the preaching of the gospel. And how do you shut down liquor stores? Well, you give the gospel to the people who run the liquor stores. And if they get saved they shut down the liquor stores themselves. And that's what revival actually is. Is people getting saved and saved people getting on fire for God. And then you don't need a lot of laws and regulations and telling people what to do because they have the Holy Spirit inside of them that tells each and every other person uh, how they are to live and people do their best to follow that. And when Billy Sunday was preaching, a lot of liquor stores did close down. A lot of movie theaters willingly went out of business. And it was all because people got saved. Prohibition didn't stop anybody from drinking. But people getting saved, that is what stops people from drinking. And uh, look, we... It's a battle. And we are living in a day and age. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. We are living in a day and age uh, where the wheels have come off the bus. And in just a little bit, we're going to talk about the events of this past week. And I'm going to hopefully show you um, that Satanism is not something that's coming. Satanism is here, and it's been here for a while, and it is firmly and absolutely entrenched as part of our culture. Now, if you haven't gotten yourself a copy of that book, The Prince of the Power of the Air by Jeffrey Martis, we urge you to go to BibleBeliever.com. That's our bookstore website. Go to BibleBeliever.com and get yourself a copy of The Prince of the Power of the Air by Jeffrey Martis. And uh, we did a whole Bible study uh, a couple of months ago based on that book. And it's absolutely mind-blowing. And if you haven't read this book, you need to. Jeffrey Martis is an excellent writer, and every book that he writes is actually a thinly disguised King James Bible study. And that's what I love the most about his writing. It's, he's very well researched, very easy to read, very easy to understand, and he gives you King James scripture with it. So if you've never gotten a copy of The Prince of the Power of the Air, uh, recommend Shar says I'm reading that right now. Uh, go to BibleBeliever.com and get yourself a copy of that book. You'll be very, very glad that you did. And we're going to talk about some of these things today. 
I have some clips I'm going to play for you that, well, they're eye-opening to say the least. Might make some of you mad, but that's okay. Sometimes people need to get mad. People need to be mad. Um, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Let's just start in verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? That's question one. And what shall be the sign of thy coming? That's question two. And of the end of the world. That is question three. So, this was roughly the year 29 AD, give or take. Jesus in Matthew 23 had just pronounced the end of the temple. And when he's done pronouncing the end of the temple and the temple worship system, he leaves the temple and his disciples uh, have questions for him. And these three questions that they ask him, one of those questions has already been answered. Matthew 24, 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? That's question number one. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, look at the last three verses. Matthew 23, 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So in Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to the Jews, and he's saying to them, I tried, and I tried, and I tried. I preached to you, I gave you miracles, I told you the truth, I gave you doctrine, I showed you love, sympathy, compassion, empathy, and the vast majority of you don't want it. From there, we understand that God did give man free will. We understand that God is not a Calvinist, and people have not been eternally decreed to be in this situation. He wouldn't have said what he said in verse 37 if that was true. Jesus said, hey, I tried to gather you under my wings like a chicken, like a, like a hen gathers her chickens, but ye didn't want to do it. I'm not going to force you. You don't want to come. That's fine. You have free will. That's how you want to spend it. Okay, but... Verse 38, 
Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So, so what happened? A couple of decades later, Rome comes in, sets the whole thing on fire, and destroys the temple. It hasn't been rebuilt since. Back to Matthew chapter 24. Verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? Answer to that question is 70 A.D. And what shall be the sign of thy coming? Hmm, well, he hasn't come yet. Now, we know that when he comes for the church, it's going to be 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 4.17. This is Jesus coming for his church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever come uh, be with the Lord. Uh, People who don't believe this doctrine say it's the doctrine of the secret rapture. Well, I don't know who it's a secret to. (laughs) I've spent 15 years of my life shouting it from the housetops with a website platform that sees over 15 million people every year. I don't know who it's a secret to. RaptureReady.com has been shouting it from the housetops since 1988. I don't know who it's a secret to. Hal Lindsey in the late great planet Earth in 1978, he talked about it. I don't know who it's a secret to. Dr. Ruckman only spent about 64 years traveling around the world preaching and teaching Bible doctrine, like the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I don't know who it's a secret to. Clarence Larkin, back in 1918, wrote the best Bible commentaries on the rapture of all time. I don't know who it's a secret to. It's certainly not a secret to Ephraim the Syrian, who wrote back in the year, was it 378? a man by the name of Ephraim the Syrian. This is what he said back in the year... Oh, when did he say it? 378. Let's go with that. He had a little sermon called On the Last Times, the Antichrist, and the End of the World. And in that sermon, he said, and let me just pull it up here. I don't have that memorized. You know, the people who don't believe in the rapture say, oh, nobody before John Darby ever said that. And that is such an ignorant lie. Don't ever repeat something like that. That is so not true that nobody before John Darby ever said anything about 
a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Uh, lots of people like the Apostle Paul, um, he talked about the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Um, but he said this, all the saints and elect of God are gathered together before the tribulation, which is to come and are taken to the Lord in order that they may not see at any time the confusion which overwhelms the world because of our sins. And this was a man by the name of Ephraim the Syrian. And he said that back in the fourth century. So, no such thing as a secret rapture. Back to Matthew 24. Tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. You want to see the end of the world? I can show it to you. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. Turn to Revelation chapter 20 in one hand and Second Peter chapter 3 in the other. Revelation chapter 20 in one hand and 2 Peter chapter 3 in the other. And let's start with 2 Peter 3 verse 10. Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the earth shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. What does that actually look like? Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And let's look down in verse 11. Revelation 20 verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was no place found for them. So back to Matthew chapter 24. As we continue to set the table for this little podcast today on Satanism. Real Satanism I'm talking about. Not talking about Linda Blair and the exorcist or anything like that. Uh, maybe some of that's true. Maybe it's not true. Doesn't really make much of a difference uh, because that is not what I call real Satanism. And today we're going to look at real Satanism, not by my definition, but by the Bible's definition. My definition does, I mean, we all have an opinion. Who cares about that? Revelation, uh, Matthew 24, 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, You want to know about the last days? Here's thing number one. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So let me start with this little clip today called We're Girls and We're Priests. Beloved babes of God, for today's pride reading from the book of Sirach, chapter 43. Look upon the rainbow 
and praise the one who made it. It is exceedingly beautiful in its brightness. We're girls and we're priests. We just might slip a Dolly Parton or Taylor Swift lyric into our sermons. We're girls and we're priests. We're gonna remind you that the first person to preach the resurrected Christ was a woman. We're girls and we're priests. Of course we're gonna have a liturgical Barbie in the children's ministry area with matching vestments. We're girls and we're priests. We're gonna match our nails to the liturgical season. We're girls and we're priests. Of course we're gonna twirl in our chasubles. We're girls and we're priests, and we're going to tell you that, yes, girls can do this job. So there you had two pro-LGBTQ2LA++ women. And if you could have seen the video, they were dressed in the garments of Roman Catholic priests. And she read out of the book of Sirach. Now, you might say to me, what part of the Bible is the book of Sirach in? S-I-R-A-C-H. Well, you can look and look, but you won't find it. That's another one of those fantasy books that the Catholic Church loves. They consider it scripture. It is not scripture. Um, (coughs) And that's what the first of the two female priests were reading from and setting the tone for everything else that they would say. And so Jesus says in Matthew 24, 4, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So the very, very first thing that you have to understand about these end times is that Deception is at the heart of everything. And we live in a world that spends billions of dollars to deceive you. Let me give you a practical example. And many of you will not like this example, but it's the truth. One of the most poisonous substances on the face of the earth i'm not talking about battery acid or bleach or or rat poison or fluoride or anything like that one of the most destructive substances that you can put into your body is coca-cola it has phosphoric acid which leaches calcium from your bones makes your bones brittle destroys you. It kind of like melts your body from the inside out. Every can of Coca-Cola has 13 teaspoons of sugar. Now, if you don't think that's a lot of sugar, and don't do this. Seriously, don't do this. But if you were to take a water glass and put 13 teaspoons of sugar into that glass and then take a spoon and eat that sugar. That's how much sugar that you are putting in your body every time you drink a can of Coca-Cola. And it will it will give you diabetes. It will give you high blood pressure. It will make you obese. Coca-Cola, if you pour warm Coca-Cola into your toilet, 
it will remove the stains from your toilet. What is it doing to the inside of your body? Now, I say this because every year, Coca-Cola spends $200 million on marketing. They are the number one most recognized brand on the face of the earth. Karen says, is Coke the same as Pepsi? Absolutely. Um, They are the most, and and obviously I'm talking about all soda. I'm using Coca-Cola as an example because they are the most well-known. They are the oldest, but I am not singling them out. All soda is bad for you. Now, just because your body can take it for a while doesn't mean it's not destroying your body. But the point of what I'm saying is that Coca-Cola spends $200 million every single year in spite of the fact that they are the most recognizable brand, logo, and name in human history. Why would they have to spend that much money on marketing? Because after they get you hooked, they need to keep you hooked. And that's why they spend the money on marketing. Do you remember um, all of the, from the 1970s and the 1980s, Um, all the arguments about smoking. Do you remember back in the 70s and 80s, does it give you cancer? Does it not give you cancer? And um, huge tobacco companies like R.J. Reynolds, they would do these multi-million dollar tests and they would give you results that say that it proves that smoking is not bad for you and it doesn't give you cancer. Um, if you're over the age of 50, you remember that huge debate that used to go on. Now, back in the 1940s and the back in the 1950s, this is what people used to hear in their advertising. You know, if you were to follow a busy doctor as he makes his daily round of calls, you'd find yourself having a mighty busy time keeping up with him. Time out for many men of medicine usually means just long enough to enjoy a cigarette. And because they know what a pleasure it is to smoke a mild, good-tasting cigarette, they're particular about the brand they choose. In a repeated national survey, doctors in all branches of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? Once again, the brand named most was Camel. Yes, according to this repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Why not change to Camels for the next 30 days and see what a difference it makes in your smoking enjoyment? See how Camels agree with your throat. See how mild and good tasting a cigarette can be. See how Camels agree with your throat. Uh, Both my parents heard advertising like that back in the 1940s. 
Both my parents became smokers and both of them died from lung cancer. Now, if you've been paying attention to what I've been saying, what is this program about? This program is about Satanism. So why am I talking about Camel cigarettes and Coca-Cola. Have you figured it out yet? Well, it will dawn on you in a few minutes if you haven't. Um, let me help you though. Second John chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. Second, uh, third John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walked in the truth. John says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Uh, this is not name it and claim it. This is not the charismatic Pentecostal movement. This is being in health. Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And let me give you the one verse that we normally don't give you when we give you verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So God has a different idea about health than the world has. The world offers you, you have a sore throat? Well, Madison Avenue wants you to go out and get a box of Camel cigarettes and start smoking that. You have an upset stomach? Well, Coca-Cola wants you to pour a nice crisp glass of phosphoric acid and white table sugar. That'll help your stomach feel better. So when we talk about Satanism, we... Um, uh, talk about the things that are opposed to God. And you know who the number one uh, uh, thing is that is opposed to God? Turn to Isaiah 14. I'll show you the number one thing that is opposed to God. It's the devil himself. Isaiah chapter 14. And look down in verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most Hi. You know what the devil comes for? 
He comes to seek and to kill and to destroy. He can't take your soul. But you know what he can take? He can take your body. And he can he can kick it around and uh, this whole world system, this whole world system is designed to get you to do the wrong thing at the right time. That's what uh, this whole world system is leading you to. And so we live in a world, if the Bible is true, if the Bible is true, that we live in a world that is right now preparing itself to receive Antichrist. Do you remember that movie? 1979, it was When a Stranger Calls. Little horror movie about all these babysitters that keep dying as they go to different houses to babysit. And um, the movie is focused on one babysitter in particular. And she starts to receive these strange calls. Do you remember what the police said when they figured out where the strange calls were coming from? Listen to me. We've traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. My squad car's going over there right now. Just get out of that house. We've traced the call, the police officer said. I remember watching this movie as an unsaved 18-year-old kid. When a stranger calls, it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. You might laugh at it today. But if you if you were to watch the movie, there's nothing funny about the movie. But it's a little dated. But that cop tells that girl, we trace the call. The call's coming from your own basement. You gotta get out. Now, spoiler alert. <laughs> She doesn't get out of the house fast enough and uh, she becomes that person's last victim. The point of the whole thing is that we live in a house where Satan is in the basement and he has come in through education. He has come in through music and movies. He has come in through culture and sports. He has come in through conversation. He has come in on every conceivable level. He is in the marketing. He is in the advertising. Now, from a biblical perspective, now you might say to yourself, well, I don't think that there's anything wrong with an occasional glass of wine. But what does the Bible say about it? Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Doesn't give you the amount of wine that it takes. It says, Alcoholic wine is a mocker, and it will deceive you. So, we saw things that took place last week. We saw the Super Bowl. Um, 
many of us have have seen uh, videos like this one where it talks about the number 13 connected with Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl. Take a listen to this. I was born on the 13th. Is this a coincidence? I think not, but you tell me. I turned 13 on Friday the 13th. My first album went gold in the U.S. in 13 weeks. Every time I've won an award at an award show, I've been seated in row M, which is the 13th letter, or like the 13th seat, or the 13th row, or the 13th section. It's really a good number. Wait, hold on. There's more. You guys know what Super Bowl is? It's 58. You know what 5 plus 8 is? 13. It's Taylor Swift's album called 13. Yo! Dang! You guys know the date of the Super Bowl? It's the 11th. Yeah. Of? February. February. It's 11 plus 2. Yeah. Yo! <laughs> who, who are they playing? The 49ers. It's 4 plus 9. Dude, come on. <laughs> 13. Just saying. What seed are the 49ers? The 1 seed. What seed are the Chiefs? The 2 seed. No. The 3. 1, one three. 3. 13. <laughs> this dude is so stupid. Where's uh, Taylor Swift coming from? She's coming from Tokyo to okay. the Super Bowl. What does that mean? A flight from Tokyo to Las Vegas. 13 hours. 13 hours. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. What the fuck? You know how many games Taylor Swift has been to? 13. 13? 12. This is the 13th? <laughs> the Super Bowl will be the 13th. <laughs> Is this, is this all true? Yeah, no, this is all this for real. Brock Purdy's jersey number is 13, so that's 8. The funny thing is, in numerology, 13 actually symbolizes good luck. If you made it this far, there's absolutely no way you watched all of that and thought to yourself, hmm, that's just a coincidence. So, videos like that have been making their way around the internet over the past couple of days and all the interesting things with the number 13. And we know that in the Bible... The number 13 is connected with rebellion. And of course, uh, the number one rebel of all time, the original rebel, is Lucifer. So I want to talk for just a few minutes about the events that took place during the Super Bowl and after the Super Bowl. And the point that we're going to make today is that shooting that happened, when you look at everything that was taking place in that Super Bowl, that shooting, to me, looks more like a human sacrifice than it does a random episode of gun violence. And when you understand all the different things that were taking place during that Super Bowl and then immediately after the Super Bowl, um, leading up to... Now, I have never been to a Super Bowl celebration like that. I would never want to go there. I don't like large crowds like that. Um, and to me, nothing good ever happens in those. Somebody always gets hurt. Something always gets stolen. Something always gets broken. Uh, and I don't like situations like that. So you would never catch me at one of those citywide, let's hail the conquering heroes Super Bowl parties. But they had one for the Kansas City Chiefs. And it, it ended up in a human sacrifice. 
I mean, it's a verifiable fact that a human being's life was sacrificed. Now, I'm not blaming that on gun violence. I'm blaming that on the spirit of Satan that is in this world right now. Take a listen to what happened on the day of the shooting. Dead across the country at this hour, we do have new reporting on this shooting at the end of the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory celebration this afternoon. A crowd of about one million people had turned out for the event. The shots were fired west of Union Station near the parking garage as the rally was ending. Initial reports had come in that multiple people had been shot. We have just learned a Kansas City fire official now saying eight to ten people involved unclear for a time if those people were actually shot or the extent of their injuries. But I want to bring in our senior investigative reporter, Aaron Katursky, because Aaron, we're learning preliminary reports now that this is even more serious from the Kansas City Fire Department. It could well be. And police had said initially, David, that multiple people were shot and they had taken two armed people into custody for questioning as part of the investigation. We're learning from Kansas City Fire now, and this is preliminary information and subject to change. But Kansas City Fire is telling ABC News one person is dead, nine others are injured for a total of 10 people uh, that apparently have been shot. We're still assessing whether all of them were shot or whether they were injured in some other way. But one dead, nine injured, and among the the injured, uh, five are said to be uh, serious injuries and three critical. And again, that information just coming in from Kansas City Fire? From Kansas City Fire, and it's preliminary information as we work to learn more. But Kansas City Police had been on scene in force for this victory parade for the Kansas City Chiefs as they celebrated their Super Bowl. They were on scene and were able to take two armed people into custody very quickly right after these uh, shots were fired near Union Station, the historic century-old train station in Kansas City. Uh, and now, according to Kansas City Fire, preliminarily, uh, one person dead, nine others injured. And of course, far too soon to say whether this was at all connected to the celebration itself or whether this was other activity among other people at the tail end of this. That's right. One of the key questions will be, was this somehow due to an agenda, a political or social agenda, or was this the result of some kind of criminal activity? And that may be where police are leaning at this point. Or was it the result of some type of satanic activity? You know what Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, did after the shooting? I want you to put yourself into his shoes. You just won the Super Bowl You have all this money, all this fame. You have this very popular girlfriend, girl singer. And then you have your your citywide Super Bowl party. And it gets shot up and somebody actually dies. He went out and continued to drink and to party after he knew that people had been shot and somebody had died. The booze didn't stop flowing. The party didn't come to an end. Not only that, he was posing for selfies with local police officers. Um, Absolutely crazy stuff. Now, we talked about this on Monday. We're going to talk about it again. I'm going to put a picture into the chat room. In the fancy private box that cost $2.5 million, Taylor Swift and her friends watched 
what many people say was a rigged game. I don't know if it was or it wasn't. I, I could probably make a case either way. Um, but given the times that we live in, I'm probably more likely to come down on the side of it being a rigged game. And a very unusual thing took place in this private box. You had Taylor Swift pounding back alcohol while the camera is on them. And then when one of her friends, a singer by the name of Ice Spice, realizes that the camera is on them, her and her friend begin to make the hand signs for Baphomet. Now, Baphomet is a scene in many of the videos of Taylor Swift. Some people say that um, Taylor Swift is a witch. I don't know if I would go that far or maybe we do need to go that far. But I know this. I know that in many, many of her videos... There is unbelievably disturbing images. And one of those images, and I'm going to put it in the chat room in just a second. The computer's uh, operating a little slow today. But I want to show you this image before I play this clip that I have for you. I want to show you this image from a Taylor Swift video. Most people say, oh, it's just pop music. It's just girly music. It's just girls having fun. And you don't get it because you're too old and you don't understand. Well, I am old. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Um, but I've been a musician since I was nine years old. I understand music pretty good. I've written songs. I've written music before. I've played in bands. And at the very least, I understand the concept of what happens in professional music today. And give me just a second. I'm going to post into the chat room a uh, picture from a Taylor Swift video called Karma. And in that video, I watched it today for the first time. In that video, she sings about how Karma is her best friend and how she is Karma. And I want you to look at that image that I just put into the chat room. That is taken from the Taylor Swift Ice Spice video called Karma. And you're looking at second, well, minute mark, 21 seconds. And um, you should go and watch that video. You should go and check it out. And you can see that Taylor Swift is not wholesome. And there is a definite agenda behind her music. And just like with, and let's kind of, let's start to put it all together now. 
Just like with cigarettes and alcohol and Coca-Cola and Taylor Swift, are you starting to see how the world has marketed to you these things that they say are good for you, that are fun, that you should do these things and enjoy these things. And they're all from the devil. And so at the start of this program, I promised I was going to show you real Satanism. I'm not going to play clips of Linda Blair throwing up pea soup as she spins around the room. That's what Hollywood wants you to believe that Satanism is. Satanism, according to the Bible, are cigarettes and soda pop, Taylor Swift, happy hour. Are you starting to to see what I'm talking about? What real, actual Satanism really is? Take a listen to this, and I don't know who the female is speaking, but she's going to talk for just a few minutes about the satanic symbols at the Super Bowl. While Taylor Swift was chugging a beer at the Super Bowl, Ice Spice, who was right next to Taylor, noticed that she was on the Jumbotron. She took that opportunity to show us who she allegedly worships with devil hand signs and showcasing her inverted upside-down cross on her necklace, while wearing Balenciaga, who, if you were paying attention a year ago, they were exposed for exploiting, sexualizing children in their ads. So let me stop that clip right there, and I just may start it over again. But the female singer that was with Taylor Swift a woman by the name of Ice Spice. She was wearing all black clothing from a um, a clothing company called Balenciaga. And a couple of years ago, there was a huge outburst about this company, Balenciaga, because in their marketing, they had... Um, posted things and I want to just post one of them now just so you can remember what it was all about but in their marketing they posted things oh hold on a second they posted marketing for their products that used children in a very, very disgusting and dark way. And of course, they were, they were, they had to immediately begin to apologize for things like that and all those different things. But Balenciaga had a huge scandal because they used children in a marketing campaign for their products with bondage equipment and sadomasochistic devices and absolutely disgusting 
this type of stuff can make you so mad that you just want to go out and go to one of these stores and throw a brick through the window. Don't do that, but it makes you that mad. So, as we understand more about this Super Bowl, this number 13 Super Bowl, and Taylor Swift's life is so heavily associated with the number 13. She was born on the 13th. She moved to Nashville with her family when she was 13. She started her music career at 13 years old. And this number has followed her everywhere. Well, the female singer, Ice Spice, who was with her making those Baphomet hand signs, was wearing an all-black bodysuit from Balenciaga. And around her neck was an upside-down cross, and I just put the picture for that into the chat room. Now, you look at that cross and you can see the demon's head firmly right in the middle. You don't have to look for more than three seconds to see the head of Baphomet at the top of the middle of that cross. In fact, I want everybody in the chat room to look at that picture right now and you tell me when you see Baphomet at the... in just about in the middle of that cross. You tell me if you guys can see that. So let me start this clip again. Satanic symbols at the Super Bowl. While Taylor Swift was chugging a beer at the Super Bowl, Ice Spice, who was right next to Taylor, noticed that she was on the Jumbotron. She took that opportunity to show us who she allegedly worships with devil hand signs and showcasing her inverted upside down cross on her necklace while wearing Balenciaga, who, if you were paying attention a year ago, they were exposed for exploiting, sexualizing children in their ads. And all of the celebrities who love Balenciaga didn't have one word to say about it and still support them. Plus, the song that Taylor did with Ice Spice called Karma shows Taylor herself in hell taking off a demonic mask. The music industry is so effed, to say the least. All these people who are so easily, allegedly, willing to sell their souls for fortune and fame. I hope you keep your daughters far from this stuff because it's only getting worse. But this correlates with the Chris Watts video I made and uploaded on January 17, 2024, showing Chris Watts also giving the devil hand sign. 14 months before Chris Watts annihilated his entire family in the most horrific way possible, Shanann Watts filmed Chris at a Metallica concert as he's displaying devil horns. If you don't already know, this video may shock you. Now I know what you may be thinking. Oh, this is the classic hand sign for rock So she's talking about a man by the name of Chris Moss. And he's a man that killed his wife and killed his children. And shortly before he did that, he was at a heavy metal Metallica concert rocking out to the words, Obey Your Master. And it turns out he became a serial killer stars but maybe we were brainwashed and made to believe this was normal with an underlying meaning without knowing the actual meaning that's how brainwashing begins that's how cults begin you can tell shanann definitely thought it was normal maybe she had some type of suspicion but that is part of being punk rock right 
I'm really glad she took this video. The song alone says, Obey your master, think Satan. I'll be going over the lyrics towards the end of this video. say this hand sign means I love you, which it is in sign language, when showing the thumb, pointer finger, and pinky finger. However, it goes so much deeper because most of the photos I'm displaying are of ex-presidents and celebrities. The thumb is tucked in, therefore representing the devil horns. I'm going to start with the satanic temple as proof. They say Satan loves you. The Bible states in John 8, 43 and 45, in the New King James Version, Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Satan is the father of lies, so of course that would be a great cover story that with the thumb means love and Satan loves you. So I wonder what the excuse is for just the horns then. Or maybe that's never mentioned. So Chelsea just asked a question in the chat room. She says, so what does Travis Kelsey have to do with this? Um, well, what does Taylor Swift have to do with this? Do I believe that Taylor Swift is intentionally and knowingly doing all these things? Maybe she knows a little bit, but I think by and large, she just thinks that she's being successful for her talent. I think Travis Kelsey thinks that these are just the good things that have happened to him. But when you look at the events that have taken place since since the Super Bowl, and if you know anything about the Bible, and if you believe what you read in that book, there is no way that you don't come to the conclusion that this is very much Satanism in its classic form. And people are being rewarded in the short term with riches and fame beyond their wildest imagination. And there's a price to pay for all of it. Now, I am no expert on the music of Taylor Swift. And some of it is very almost innocent and I'm talking about the much older stuff. But most of it has to do with living a sinful lifestyle and drinking and fornicating and doing all these things and hopping from one bed to another and focusing on uh, 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 all the things that the Bible tells us that we shouldn't focus on. The Bible says this, that, that if we love the world, that the love of the Father is not in us. 1 John 2.15 
Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so, Travis Kelsey, he is in love with the world. And uh, he is a paid vaccine spokesperson for Pfizer. He makes more money selling vaccines than he does playing football. And he goes out and continues to get drunk after somebody gets killed at his Super Bowl party. It didn't register with him. It didn't, didn't affect him at all. Didn't make him sad. Didn't make him think, you know, I really need to get to a church and pray about this. And none of these people are Christians. Taylor Swift is absolutely not a Christian. And I have a clip from her in just a few minutes where she says, you don't need forgiveness. Because there is no excuse, no cover story whatsoever. Just think and realize of the amount of exposure of the pure evil going on in our world right now. If you can't see it, get your head out of the sand and start paying attention. Because we are in a modern day warfare between good and evil. So it totally makes sense who these people may worship and it's obviously not the Almighty God. One thing you have to remember, in this type of religion, they must show you who they are. And when they do, believe them and leave them. These are obvious red flags. It's so blatant now, they are shoving it in our faces. Some people are just so easily vulnerable to selling their souls. I must say it's been sad to watch. And I can say that because I still have my soul and empathy. So it makes me sad to see so many people fall victim to this cult. This metal horn's gesture is a gesture of the horned god in Wicca. Cernanos is the Celtic horned god, the equivalent of the Greek god Pan, and is the horned god in Wicca. And here's a satanic temple book called Goodnight Baphomet, which clearly has horns. This page reads, respects everyone's right to be, especially when they disagree. If their words make you mad, set them free. Don't be sad. What the F? Set them free? Free how? By killing them? It tells you everything you need to know. Now let's read the lyrics of the song Chris is singing during the concert. And keep all of this in mind while I display the ex-presidents and celebrities showing us who they really are. Master of Puppets lyrics go, End of passion play, crumbling away. I'm your source of self-destruction. Veins that pump with fear. Sucking darkness clear. Leading on your death's construction. Taste me, you will see. More is all you need dedicated to how I'm killing you. Come crawling faster. Obey your master. Your life burns faster. Obey your master. Master of puppets, I'm pulling your strings, twisting your mind and smashing your dreams. Blinded by me, you can't see a thing. Just call my name, cause I'll hear you scream. Master, master, needlework the way, never you betray. Life of death becoming clearer. Pain, monopoly, ritual, misery. Where's the dreams that I've been after? You promised only lies. All I hear or see is laughter. Laughing at my cries. Fix me. Hell is worth all that. Natural habitat. Just a rhyme without reason. Never-ending maze. Drift on numbered days. Now your life is out of season. I will occupy. I will help you die. I will run through you. Now I rule you too. So it's very interesting to think now hindsight 2020. Was Shanann filming her husband in a possible unconscious state of mind? Leading up to her death, she knew something was wrong with Chris. Her husband was not acting like the man she had married. 
So that clip was about the Satanism at the Super Bowl, but more deeply, that symbol, they call it the symbol for rock and roll, and they give you the devil horns. Some people who are Italian say that that is the, oh, what do they call it? I used to know the name for it, Uh, but it wards off the evil eye. All of that is Satanism. If you ever make the devil horns and tell somebody to go rock on, that is Satanism. All of it is bad. No matter who does it, no matter where it happens, no matter the level that it happens on. Uh, Take a listen to Taylor Swift saying you don't need forgiveness. You know, people go on and on about like you have to forgive and forget to move past something. No, you don't. You don't have to forgive and you don't have to forget to move on. You can move on without any of those things happening. You just become indifferent and then you move on. Do you believe in forgiveness? Yes, absolutely. Like for people that are important in your life who have added, you know, who have enriched your life and made it better. And also there's been some struggle and some bad stuff too. But I think that, you know, if something's toxic and it's only ever really been that, what are you going to do? Just move on. Just move on. It's fine. So there was Taylor Swift telling you that you don't need forgiveness unless you feel like it. Almost like she was saying, do what thou wilt. Doesn't that sound like that to you? That's what it sounds like to me. Um, So this is the day and age that we're living in. You know, I stopped watching professional sports a number of years ago. I got mad with when everybody started doing all that kneeling and all that garbage. But I never went back because I began to realize over time that all of these organized sports, they are there to distract you. They are there to occupy your heart and your mind. Isn't it shameful that many, many Christians can give you Lots of statistics about their favorite sports players. They can give you lots of information about the type of season that their favorite team is happening. And yet when you ask them about the Bible and ask them about Bible verses in particular, they don't really have anything to say because they spend all their time telling the world how much they love their sports team and they don't know anything about the Bible. In all these churches, I did that article the other day um, about those churches that had uh, Super Bowl parties and uh, Crossroads Church in Cincinnati And they put on an absolutely disgusting display, which wound up with them kicking the Bible across the stage. Just like you would kick the football um, after a coin toss. And it was absolutely terrible. 
But this is where we are. This is absolutely where we are. Uh, One more thought about Taylor Swift. She wrote a song called I Did Something Bad. This is how the lyrics go. They're burning all the witches, even if you aren't one. They got their pitchforks and proof, their receipts and reasons. They're burning all the witches, even if you aren't one. So light me up, light me up, light me up. Almost like she's saying, come on, baby, light my fire. So, this is where we are in 2020. Satanism is not something that's coming. It's something that is here. It is something that is absolutely ingrained in every part of our society. Do you follow professional sports? You're involved in Satanism. Do you like to listen to contemporary music? You're involved in Satanism. Do you like to drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes? You're involved in Satanism. And it is not until that you begin to attempt to remove yourself from all of this. Now, you might be tempted to say to me, well, I think that's stupid And I think you're really reaching on that one. And I used to think that too. I used to think it's not that bad. You want to know when I realized how bad it was? And it absolutely has nothing to do with Taylor Swift or the Super Bowl or Travis Kelsey or anything like that. But the day that I realized how bad this system really is, was the day when I tried to remove myself from it. Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to say no more secular music of any kind for any reason? Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried saying to yourself, no more sports? I'm just not gonna I'm just not gonna be a follower anymore. And if the day ever comes when you try to do those things, you will see immediately how deep the rabbit hole goes and how hard that it is to extricate yourself from those things. And most Christians don't think that what I'm saying is true because they have never tried to really remove themselves from the system. The system is like the matrix. It is everywhere. It is all around you. Remember when Morpheus says that to Neo? The matrix is all around you. It's in your thoughts. It's in your actions. And even when you think that you're acting independently, you are still being prompted and motivated and seduced by 
the matrix. But if you want to see for yourself how deep the rabbit hole goes, do what I just suggested. Why don't you say that for a three-month period, you're not going to listen to any secular music. You're not going to watch any sports. You're not going to get involved in any of that stuff. You're not going to have a drink of alcohol. You're not going to smoke one single cigarette. See how long you can do that for. And then you'll know how deep the rabbit hole goes. Now, the Apostle Paul says this. um, He says this in Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 8, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Paul says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And do count them but crap, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Why? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And then he says this, verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. It is a hard thing to do to extricate yourself from this satanic world system, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. And I believe that when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, one of the questions that Jesus is going to say to us, he'll say, look, I know it was hard. And I know you had the world, the flesh, and the devil fighting against you. I understand that. But did you try? Maybe you tried and failed 57 different times and finally got the victory years later. But did you try? And many of us are going to have to bow our heads in shame. Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Many of us will have to bow our heads in shame at that day because we didn't try. We let the world, the flesh, and the devil kick our butts. And we didn't try to pull ourselves out of that system. We didn't turn the sports off. We didn't flush that, that soda down the drain. We didn't stop smoking the cigarettes which, which turned our bodies into tumors. We didn't even try. And all I'm saying is, Try. Give it a shot. 
Do the best that you can. And that's what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 3. Brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended. Paul says, I'm still a work in progress. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can you at least try to see this world system? Can you at least understand that all secular music takes you to the same place? I want you to think of the most vile rap music that has ever existed. And I want you to think of the beautiful love song by Frank Sinatra. They both take you to the same place because they both glorify the God of this world, which is Satan. The rap song does it obviously. The other one does it secretly. But they both take you to the same place place so if you if you want to take a fun challenge for the next 90 days no alcohol no tobacco no swear words coming out of your mouth no secular music no sports no tennis football basketball badminton and hockey Go cold turkey on all of it and see how long you last. Some of you won't last five days. Others, you'll go for a little period of time. And then you'll quit because you don't understand why you're doing it in the first place. You're doing it because real Satanism is the world system. Step away from that system and see how long you can last. I promise you, it will be very revealing. And even if it's just for you personally, I promise you that you will be shocked when you see how long that you can't go. One more thing we need to talk about. In East Alabama, there is a chaplain and he is doing a mighty work for the Lord. A year ago, we sent him Bibles and he ran out of them just a couple of days ago. He sent me an email and said this, could you please send 200 Hispanic Bibles? I just gave out my last one that I carry in my truck to a patient this morning He was so glad to receive it. He hugged, then kissed the Bible. I told him that it was his to take with him. He is young and in serious condition in the hospital. So, could you please help? We could use at least 200 or more, but we'll be happy to use whatever you can send. Sorry to keep asking, but the need is great. Thank you again in Christ, Hospital Chaplain Billy Crenshaw from Alabama.
If God has prospered you, take a moment and go to nowtheendbegins.com or biblesbehindbars.com and make a donation for our free Bible and Gospel Track program. We have sent out over 250,000 King James Bibles, New Testament scripture portions, and gospel tracts to people just like Billy Crenshaw. The need is very, very great. And as I've said before, we have been forced to slow down the amount of Bibles that we have been sending out uh, because there has been less money coming in. And uh, we cannot operate without your prayers and without your financial support. If the financial support were to stop, there would be no podcast, there would be no Sunday service, there would be no bookstore, there would be no free Bible program. This program wouldn't be happening right now if we didn't have your financial support. So please... Pray about becoming a supporter. You'll get rewards in heaven, I promise you, when you help us to send out Bibles and Gospel tracts and New Testaments. But if you're not convicted after a program like this, that we live in a satanic world system that is doing its very best to prevent you from getting something done for the Lord Jesus Christ, If you're not convinced after all we said today, then there's nothing, nothing that I can tell you that would convince you. Um, The Bible says this, that in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. This world system will make you blind. It will make you blind to the things of God, and I promise you it will shut out every joy that the Lord is trying to give you. I have COVID today. And I'm doing this podcast. Lorianne has COVID and she's sitting behind me with a laptop. She's working on this program as well. Why on earth would we do a broadcast with a fever and a temperature and having COVID and my throat hurts so bad I can hardly talk? Why on earth would we be doing that today? Because the Bible is true. Because we only get one life, we only get one chance. And if you just thought of that Eminem song in your mind, you're hooked into the world system. Because we only get one chance to get something done for the Lord. And that one chance is called your entire life. Some people get a long life, some people get a short life. Everybody gets the life that God has allotted for each one of us. So what are you going to do with the life that you have? Are you going to let the world system continue to blind you, make you weak and make you apathetic towards the things of God? Or 
are you going to say no I don't want to be part of the world system I want to be part of God's system use me Lord use my life for your glory and for my good C.T. Studd said only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last none of this junk down here do you realize that everybody who wins a Grammy everybody that wins an Oscar everybody who does all of these things that the world tells you that you have to do all of that goes into the grave you don't take and this might be a this might be a shocking thought for some of you you don't take any of the fame and adulation that you received here to heaven there's only one person who has fame and adulation in heaven and you can read about that person in revelation 4 5 and 19 Only one person in heaven has fame and adulation. All of these worldly things that you think are so important to chase after and to want and to desire, every single one of those things winds up in the garbage alongside your dead, rotting carcass. That's where all of that winds up. You don't take your Oscars, your Grammys, your Emmys. You don't take your worldly friendships. Nobody is having a party in heaven. Nobody, uh, uh, I promise you, Toby Keith is not drinking a long neck in the clouds right now. I'm not saying he wasn't saved. I'm saying there is no party in heaven. Nobody is having a beer in anybody's memory in heaven. It's a ridiculous thought. That's a pagan thought. And yet, how many times do I see Christians posting that on Facebook? I see it all the time. They have a loved one who was well known at the bar. And Christians will say, well, so-and-so is up in heaven He's having a cold one for us right now. That's nonsense. That's the devil. That's paganism. I hope this program was a blessing to you today. I knew it it was going to be a hard one. And I hope that it will help you to see this world system for what it is. It cannot be redeemed. It cannot be reformed. The only thing that can be done to this world system is it has to be destroyed at the second coming. That's the only thing that can be done with this world system. It has to be destroyed. But we who are saved, we have hope, we have a future. We know what the Lord has for us. And it is our obligation to work 
while it is day, to get something done that will make it through the judgment seat of Christ, to see lost souls get saved, and to see saved souls get on fire for God. That's all we're here to do. So, let's get out there and let's do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your mercy. We thank you, God, for your perfect Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for our salvation. And we thank you for opening our eyes to this stinking world system. We pray that you destroy it, Lord. Like Babel, you tear the whole thing down to the ground. But we know, we know that the the wicked one is coming. And you're going to remove us before then. But for those who will be left behind, God, Lord, let us work now to take as many of those souls with us when we go as possible. And we ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody, um, for being here today. I'm going to try for Sunday service. Hopefully, I won't be feeling any worse. And But if you could keep Lori and I in your prayers um, as we continue to battle COVID, we would so very much appreciate that. And with that, we've come to the end. Have a great weekend. Lord willing, we'll see you here Sunday, 1 p.m. for the next Sunday service. to believe you don't have what it takes cause it's all you can do just to move much less finish the race but don't forget what lies
house has brought heaven to us But make no mistake, there's still more to come When our flesh and our bone are no longer between Where we are right now and where we're meant to be Where 